Kenny's on a dive bar stage Split an all-star special on our first date In a Waffle House booth Your daddy was crying when he gave you away Cause all those country songs I played They didn't come with a 401k But hey, I had you You can make a six-pack on the carpet Just like a million-dollar bill You can make a one-bedroom apartment Feel like a house up on the hill You can make my truck out in the driveway Roll like a cleaned-up Cadillac Girl, looking at you, looking at me that way Can make a man feel rich on minimum wage Live on air, plus the extra hour after show. 
Now, for those of you that want to call in and talk some sports with us, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Tonight, currently on the line, I have Lou and I have Evan. And uh, Evan, by the way, Jim says hi to start off the show tonight. Hey, I like that song that you just played. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder where I got. I wonder where I got that from. Well, probably from Jim, and I, I sent it to Jim myself. Yeah, for those for those of our listeners, this uh, this is a one time thing. We'll go back to the regular the regular song next week. I just thought it would be kind of nice to put a to put in a a little Easter egg uh, for for tonight's show. But anyways, we have we have a lot to cover tonight. We have, of course, the national title game uh, to to talk about. We also have the NFL playoffs that are currently underway. We have Major League Baseball, some some signings. We have some coaching news. We also have the huge James Harden trade to talk about that has. Yeah, quite frankly, I think we can kind of say it has shifted the landscape of the NBA so far uh, from what we can tell. So, once again, the number is 657-383-1308. Let's get, let's get right into it. Why don't we talk uh about the James Harden trade to start off tonight's show and this probably we knew that this was going to happen at some point. We just didn't know where he was going to go. There was talks that the Raptors were were uh, interested at one point. The Celtics were interested. The Miami Heat were interested, as well as the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. He did officially go to Brooklyn as I pull up the uh-huh. trade details here. And I believe we are adding in Kyle. This must be you, I think, right? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Uh, it is going good. We uh, we currently have Lou and Evan on the line. Uh, we we were about to go into the NBA to start off tonight's show, as we had a huge blockbuster trade that came right. down in the NBA, which, quite frankly, it may actually reshape the the Eastern Conference when you take a look at the trade in, in full. And let me pull up the, the trade details here officially. So, right. as we all know, James Harden went to the Brooklyn Nets. We also saw the Houston Rockets in return – Originally, they got Karis LeVert, Dante Exum, Rodians Kuroks, hopefully I said that right, along with three mm-hmm. Brooklyn first-round picks and a Milwaukee first-round pick. Plus, they get the opportunity to swap first-round picks with Brooklyn four different years. The Cavaliers, they were also involved in it. They get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince from the Brooklyn Nets. However, the Pacers decided to jump into it. They end up 
sending Victor Oladipo to the Houston Rockets, and they get in return Karis LeVert along with a second-round pick. So essentially, with this trade here, the Rockets, all they really did was they swapped out Harden for Oladipo, and they ended up getting a whole bunch of a whole bunch of picks to go along with it, and you know some bench players. One of them, I believe, it was Cordex, that he could probably get waived or released at some point in the, in the next week or so because he was pretty much at the end of Brooklyn's roster to begin with. So let's get. We'll start. We'll start off with Lou on this one here, since he since he covers the New York area. Uh, Lou, yes. Let's start. Let's start with you here. What are, What is your your thoughts on this on this trade, and how do you think it uh, reshapes the landscape of potentially not just the Eastern Conference, but also the Western Conference, with of course Houston being involved. I don't think it, you know, reshapes the Eastern Conference at all. I mean, you know, Harden—he's not the same person as he once as he once was. I mean, he's so out of shape and whatnot. So I really don't know how it's going to make much of an impact um, with the Nets. I mean, everybody's hyping him up, saying it's going to be you know, like, oh, they're working on a super team with the guy Durant, they got James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, who can't even find himself right now. So I really don't think it's going to make much of a of an impact this season. I mean, maybe uh, two or three years down the road or something like that. Yes, but right now they're just trying to find themselves as they have, you know, still some tough holes to climb and, you know, have to get their act together. Harden's going to get back in shape. Uh, Kyrie's got to focus himself on his teammates and not his, uh, you know, his uh, personal issues or he wants to go – he wants to go party with Drake or whatever, you know, because you heard about that. So um, this team, you know, it does have potential, but uh, right now, I I don't I don't see it. I think we're still going to be uh, a few years away before uh, we start making uh, any impact, and they're going to be the super team as they're as they're being quoted, but not now. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously. I know you watch a lot of football. I believe you watch a lot of basketball as well when it yeah. comes to when it comes to sports. So what what are, what are your thoughts on this huge deal which in my opinion, I honestly think the Houston Rockets did a lot better job than people may think they did. And looking at this trade, it just kind of it kind of smells like the Pierce Garnett trade all over again. Yeah, it may work out at first for the Brooklyn Nets, but overall, right. this is probably this is probably the worst case scenario for them in the long term. Right. So for me, offensively, we we know what Kevin Durant, we know what James Harden can do, we know what Kyrie can do in ISO situations. I just think it comes down to there's too many superstars on the floor. Who's going to demand the ball at the end of the game? For me personally, I want Katie to take my last shot, period. He can make his own shots. He can come off the screen. He can come off a down screen. You know, whatever. James, you, you literally have two out of the three most biggest ISO players in the NBA. So 
it, it doesn't work. Like when people say that KD went to Golden State, it worked because he can create off the bounce. He can he can be the second option to Steph or Clay, Draymond or you know whoever comes off the bench. But for the Nets, you have too many superstars in one in one place. And we, I didn't even mention about the defensive side. The only person who works defensively hard, like consistently all the time, twenty four seven, is KD. James Harden doesn't play like a defense. My my ten year old nephew can play better NBA defense than, you know, James Harden does. So, cool, they're gonna score a thousand points, but they're also gonna give up two thousand points. You know, so yeah, that's where my biggest concern is. Is with Golden State, you had three really good defenders. Clay Thompson's a super good defender. Defender, you know, Draymond, you know, maybe one of the best you know, one through five defender in the league. And Steph is a really good on-ball point guard defender. So with the Nets, I'm just sitting here wondering what's going to happen defensively is, you know, and who's going to take the last shot. So for me, it's the, I think it's the dumbest trade because I agree with you. I think Houston wants Victor Oladipo is really, really good. You know, it's it's not like he's a slum. I'm no. I'm just very concerned with the Nets and you know defensively. It's like cool, like we're, we we see like offense like is very good, and if you have more offense, it's good. But eventually, you have to get a stop. And I'm sorry to say this, but anyone in the league can beat James Harden one on one. You know, Kyrie yeah. sometimes like is lackluster on defense. You know, and, and the only, like I said, the only person who locks mm-hmm. down is KD, you know, and that puts so much strain right. on KD. It's kind of it's kind of like a situation where people were <laughs> very con- concerned about LeBron, you know, oh, like, is, is he up to playing defense? You know, we, we've seen LeBron. LeBron is, is locked in on defensive end, you know, and he, he has help with AD. And, you know, Kyle Kuzma is a very good defender. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it it's just bad because, you know, Kyrie, and I haven't even mentioned the injuries. You know, injury Kyrie is injury prone. I'm a big Duke fan, and I can say that. You know, James Harden, you know, God, you know, knock on wood, he hasn't su- suffered a major injury, but, you know, Katie's coming off that Achilles. You know, when, what's that injury factor going to play in? Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of th- a lot of things that you have to consider when it comes to this team. Considering the fact that you had you have three stars, three bona fide superstars on this squad, and who knows if Kyrie is even going to return? There was a rumor going around that Kyrie could potentially sit out the entire season in protest because he's pissed off apparently that they hired Steve Nash as their head coach yeah. instead of instead of uh one of the uh, one of the other uh minority head coaches like like Tyron Lu for example Evan uh, w- the question of course has been has been thrown around out there who would you want taking that final shot between three superstars now obviously the big option would probably be you know, to put Durant out there because he's the most accurate and the most consistent of shooters. But could be a potential worry here that maybe perhaps when you have 
superstars, three superstars on the same team with as big of an ego as as Kyrie and Harden. Granted, I, I would say Durant, but I, I wouldn't really lump Durant in with the ego category. Do you think that this could potentially pose a problem down the line, Evan, to where, you know, each player is going to be wanting their own share of the, of, of time with the ball that instead it may become more of a game of feed Harden, feed Kyrie and feed, you know, Durant to where, teams will easily be able to game plan for this. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely see there. there's two really big egos, and then you got Kevin Durant, who does have somewhat of an ego. It's like eventually all that, each one of them is going to be like, I want to take the last shot. I want to do it. I want to be the big man. And you know, Lou, that's another thing that we that we have to that we have to consider in this as well. Can these three players coexist? Because we saw we saw it happen with Paul Pierce, Kevin Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Although yes. it, it eventually it eventually began to wear down later on when Ray Allen decided that he had had enough of the Celtics and he wanted to go take his talents down to South beach and play with the Miami heat. Do you think that perhaps egos may play it may play a factor eventually down the line here when, oh, yeah. when you look at, at these players? Oh, it's about, it's about the super egos with this, with all three of them together. <laughs> I don't think surprised if it happened, you know, uh, during the, during the first season. So, uh, you know, they may be great players, but oh, they are super ego. They are super ego maniacs, and that's going to get in the way. That could cause a problem on the court. So, you know, you may have, you may have a good deal on the outside, but on the inside, ooh, that might be a whole right there. And ultimately, when you think about this, Kyle, this is technically a team sport. And granted, right. yeah, it, it's it's worked in the past with with you know Garnett, Pierce and Allen. It's worked with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch and LeBron James. Hell, you could you can argue it it worked with uh with Curry, Thompson and Durant. But right. and I've said this I've said this on multiple occasions this uh you know this off season when the rumors first popped up that James Harden wanted to wanted to go to Brooklyn that it's hard enough having a diva like Kyrie on the team. But when you add right. another diva like, like Harden, and especially if, if you take into account, too, how he left Houston, when he basically flat out, flat out came out there in his press conference and, and basically said in 15 seconds before leaving, I've done pretty much all I can for this team. I'm out. And basically, I don't know if 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 this team is going to be able to to come back from this, yada yada yada. It, it right. basically quit on the team. So yeah, is Brooklyn going to be able to survive 
the having these two divas on this roster? Yeah, i I think it I think it will work because you know they're they're close like outside of like basketball. But for me, it it's just weird because you Kyrie's not a traditional point guard. You know, he's not like a a Luca or like a Trey Trey Young who dishes first and then can score and doesn't think about scoring first, you know. They both need the ball. They both want the ball. And James Harden isn't a one. Kyrie's not a one. They're both playing the two, essentially. Kyrie just has better better handles than most ones besides Steph Curry. So I just think stylistically Mm. it clashes. Like, it, it doesn't work. With the big three in Miami, you had Dwayne Wade as the one. You had... LeBron as the three, and Chris Bosh as the four. So it works, you know. With uh, Golden State, when KD went there, you know, you had KD as the four, sometimes as the five. You had Draymond as the four or five, depending on the roster and, the, and who they're playing. You had, you know, Clay at the three and Steph at the one. So I, I just think matchup-wise, yes, you're going to score a 1,000 points per game, like I said. But traditionally, at the end of the game, you – somebody to facilitate, you know, eventually, this is literally their offense is going to be, Kyrie's going to break down someone in ISO, James Harden's going to be on the wing, waiting for the outlet pass, and then they're going to take it back out, like, inside to KD, and that's that's literally what you can do 90% of the time, you know, and then KD can pop out, you know, on the wing or create his own shot, so it's just going to be a lot of ISO and a lot of you know, essentially boring basketball. Like, nobody likes to see one-on-one basketball and then you drive and you kick. I, I don't like seeing it. I like seeing, you know, movement, momentum. You know, I like – that's why a lot of people still like Golden State is because they flow very well, they have good ball control, good ball movement. You know, San Antonio Spurs a couple of years ago with Mono, Tony, and, you know, Tim Dungeon. It, it's boring basketball, but that how, that's how basketball is, you know. You don't sit yeah. there and go on the wing and – and wait till somebody cuts in and kick it out is like there's there's ball movement. You know, everybody gets the ball, everybody touches the ball, and you you take the best shot. And I just think Kyrie's gonna. There's too many egos in in one thing. Like it's one thing, like I said, yes. with Golden State, it, it it works. Their egos are gonna clash, and eventually they're gonna get pissed because Kyrie has a thousand touches, James Harden had fifteen hundred, and Kyrie had 900. You know, they're going to be pissed because we're going to be like, all right, I need the ball. And that just, I, I, I just see, yes, it'll, it'll work eventually. Like, it'll work this season and next season. But in the long run, it's not going, it's not going to work. You know, teams are going to start collapsing. Teams are going to start doubling KD. And then, you know, so I, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned each player wanting the ball and basically playing boring basketball. When I saw this trade go down, one of the first replies I saw on Twitter was a recreation of what it would look like using NBA 2K21. And literally all it is 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 having Kyrie start off with the ball and literally do dribbles for like eight seconds then passing it over to to 
to Durant, acting like he's going to take a shot, but then move the ball back for eight seconds, then pass it right. to Harden and do the exact same thing, and then Harden ends up taking the shot. It, to me, it, it really – it takes away, in my opinion, from the team aspect of the game because right. you take a look at this potential lineup, and here's – Here's the stats from today's earlier game. The Brooklyn Nets defeating the Orlando Magic 122 to 115. James Harden, believe it or not, played the one in this matchup with Kyrie right. MIA, of course. Durant played the four. Harden played the one. Harden had a triple double. He became, I guess, the seventh player in the history of the NBA to record a triple-double in, in his first game with his new team, apparently. Wow. He had, 32, he had 32 points, 14 assists, 12 rebounds, and nine turnovers. So he almost had a quadruple-double, basically, with, yeah. with nine turnovers. That's not uh, good, Kevin though. Durant, uh, definitely not. It's definitely not good, especially when you have your top two stars combining for 15 turnovers total. And who right. knows how many they would have had if, if Irving was playing. Mm. However, this did not stop them from scoring with Durant going up for, a, I think this is a season high for him so far this season, 42 points, 42 yeah. points, five assists, four rebounds. So combined, both Harden and Durant combined for about, hopefully my math is correct here, but I believe it was 74 points out of a pot out of 122. We also have Joe Harris uh, at the two Joe Harris with 17 points. Jeff Green, believe it or not, actually made a start. He had 10 points. And DeAndre Jordan, I don't even know why he's even still in the league, only recorded two points. But I guess you just have to imagine the the potential for this lineup when you take a look at the start at the the talent that that's going to be in this starting lineup once Kyrie Irving returns. Now, obviously, DeAndre Jordan, he's mainly there just to be the big man of of the team. He's not really there, you know, to provide any sort of offense, quite frankly. But if you take a look at this, we assume that Kyrie Irving is, is going to stay at point. So Kyrie plays point. You got James Harden as your shooting guard. You have Joe Harris as your small forward. You got Kevin Durant as the power forward and you got Deandre Jordan as a center to me. Right. That's a terrifying starting five. Yes. If I'm looking if I'm looking at at the the other starting fives in the NBA currently, I wouldn't want to face Brooklyn. Now, side from what Kyle mentioned earlier is the biggest problem with this team is gonna be defense because James Harden, he literally couldn't give any shits about defense whatsoever when he plays yeah. out there, even though even though he had four steals and one block in today's game, keep in mind they were facing the Orlando Magic. 
a team that Boston right. just blew out with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Boston didn't even have their full team. They didn't even have Jason Tatum yesterday, and they completely blew out the Magic. So, and taking a look at the at the bench, the Brooklyn Nets bench combined for 19 points between four players. Right. You know, if you're going to have a big three out there like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, you better make sure they don't have an off night. And if they do, if one of them does, you better make sure the other one picks up the slack or the other two pick up the slack because – if these guys if these guys ever have ever have off nights at the same time it could be potentially disastrous for Brooklyn especially if you're looking to contend for the Larry O'Brien trophy I mean, and the scary part is go ahead Kyle no, I was going to say the scary part is they gave up 117 points against uh, Eric Gordon, uh, Cole Anthony, and Ross, like Terry Ross or whatever his like, name is. But you give up 117 points to no names, literally no names. Is You gave up – think about this. You gave up 117 points to a dunk contest winner who's very good. I like Aaron Gordon a lot, who's a rookie, Cole Anthony who's coming off a horrible season at UNC, who barely even played because he was injured, and no names. Right. So why would if you go against, like you said, Boston, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, Terry Rozier, Kemba Walker, and guys like that, why would if you play against Milwaukee, you know, Giannis, you know, just people who can spread the floor is very good. Why would if you go against the Pelicans team, who's very young, J.J. Reddick, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, you know, what happens if you go against those teams? They're going to shoot out with you. You know, and Giannis is a lockdown defender, and everybody else in the East is very good, and they can lock down Jimmy Butler. You know, you know Eric Gordon, and you know the Miami Heat team. They're very good. They're young. They're talented. They can lock down. Cool. Like you can score a thousand points, but eventually you still have to get a stop. You know, and that's going to be the biggest problem with this Brooklyn Nets team is. You know, KD is going to lock down. KD, I, I I say KD is a you know a top ten defender in the league. James Harden is definitely not on that list. Kyrie is nowhere on that mm-hmm. list. Like, you know, so that that's the biggest problem is, yes, they're going to play iso ball. They're going to play, you know, very, you know, very fast. And I can see this going as another Lob City. You know, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul kind of thing. Very iso, very I'm going to break you down. I'm going to lob it up. Or very I'm going to break it down and kick it back out for an open shot. But cool, like, what happens if James Harden and Kyrie are having an off night? And that means, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, you know, I think we saw, we saw what happened with with Lob City, as you, as you mentioned, out there in L.A. We saw what happened with them. You know, they never advanced. Hell, they never even advanced to the conference finals. Right. They had those three together. And that's the big problem. You know, you have to find some way to balance all three of your superstars. And that, right. you know, I hate, I hate to, uh, I hate to show my Boston bias here, but that's what made the original super team of 
and Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen work so well is the fact that they were willing to sacrifice their own games. They were willing to sacrifice their own stats in order to help in order to help the benefit of the team overall. Yeah. And when it comes to defense. You know, Evan, this would be a good comparison because I know you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. This would be a good comparison yeah. to to Patrick Mahomes' first two seasons where they had all the offensive talent in the world on offense. But their big yeah. problem, the reason why the reason why they couldn't get past the Patriots was their defense. Yep. Yeah, they may have had all the offensive firepower, and yeah, maybe they can go. They could go to a shootout with you, or force you into a shootout. But the big problem was the big problem that limited them was the fact that their defense those two years was among the was among the bottom ten in the, in the entire league. So oh, yeah, you kind of have to you kind of have to imagine, Evan, that if you're a team like the Brooklyn Nets. You can't. Somebody, somebody's going to have to to compromise between these three, right? Because we know how much of a ball hog Kyrie Irving and and James Harden are. I'm not even going to include Kevin Durant in that in that uh, you know conversation because of the fact that Durant. We've we've known him. To 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 spread his his share of the uh, you know of the ball most of the time, but I mean I've seen it in in Boston where every game basically became the Kyrie Irving show because he was unwilling to spread yeah. the wealth. Hell, that's why that's why we ended up seeing Jalen Brown's numbers go down. As soon as Kyrie Irving became a member of the of the Celtics, what happened once once Kyrie left the Celtics? Boom! Those numbers skyrocket for Jalen Brown, and now Jalen Brown, it looks like he's at least on the verge of finally breaking that ceiling uh, to to elevate yeah. his game towards the next level. And I think I think we're going to potentially see that problem here. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Now let's take a look at the at the rest of the trade and see what this does for everybody else. Now, first off, the Pacers they are they of course get the second round pick along with Karis Levert. However, right. there is a problem here with Karis Levert as he uh-huh. officially came down. It, it, it was revealed that he had a mass. Apparently on his kidney. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. says here uh, he, he's now been ruled out indefinitely after a pre-trade physical revealed a small mass on his left kidney. And it's unknown how much time he'll miss. He has to undergo more tests. And you gotta you gotta kind of feel for the Pacers here because obviously this yeah. didn't come. This didn't come through when they were originally making the trade. You know, they have to go through physicals and whatnot. 
And originally this didn't come through until after the deal was finalized. And now all of a sudden he's going to end up missing time, missing significant time. Who knows, you know, how long, but he's going to end up missing significant time. And, you know, at, at, at this point though, you take a look at the Pacers, they're eight and four, they're in the number four seed so far. So mm-hmm. depending on how much time he misses, you know, maybe it won't have that much of an effect because of the fact that Miles Turner is having, quite frankly, so far he's having an all-defensive season to where people are potentially looking at him as defensive player of the year. Yeah, you remember you remember the player you could have had, Danny Ainge, in exchange for, for Gordon Hayward? Yeah, Miles Turner who apparently you weren't even interested in. Yeah, he's apparently now going to be a front-runner for Defensive Player of the Year, so far at least. But, you you know, you kind of have to feel for the Pacers, though. They make make this, this gamble, send Oladipo out to Houston, get Karis LeVert, who looked like he was going to probably take the next jump you know, the jump to the next level this season. And now who knows how long the Barrett's going to be out. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, Lou, what, what did you think of the other assets of this trade uh, with the Pacers getting Karis LeVert, the Rockets mm-hmm. getting Oladipo, they and obviously, you know, the biggest part of the trade besides Harden is the fact that the Rockets they get Oladipo, they basically replace Harden yes. with Oladipo. They get three first round picks, and I might be wrong here, but the first round picks I believe are in odd numbered years. Oh wait, yes, no, they are. no, they're in even. Oh, wait, are they in even or odd numbered years? I, I forget which, but they all yeah, get one is even, one is odd. Round. Yeah, yeah, they get they get uh, a Milwaukee first round pick as well, which is also either even or odd, and then they get four first round swaps. So basically, they pretty much control the fate of Brooklyn's next seven years of first round picks. In exchange for this trade, wow, that is mind boggling. so this is why I said we could be looking at the at another Paul Pierce Kevin Kevin Garnett type trade here for the Nets, to where he it might. potentially screws them in the long run. Well, you're probably right. I probably wouldn't do that. I mean, Evan, don't you think that that is that is a pretty steep price to pay? I mean, granted, Harden, you know, is one of the highest scorers yeah. in the NBA. And you know one of the top superstars in the NBA, mm-hmm. but to give up, to give up pretty much, pretty much your entire starting rotation for the most part, and some of your bench players, as well as three first round picks. No, I'm sorry, four first round picks, and four first round swaps. I mean, isn't yeah. isn't that way too much of a of an overpay? And 
yes. at least in my opinion, it's too much of an overpay. But what what are your thoughts, Evan? Mm-hmm. Way, way too much of an overpay. I mean, let, let me bring up here. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully, I can find the. Hopefully I can find the, uh, you know, the the thread that I had started in Sports Whispers because there's a whole bunch of other stuff. I even have the, the demands that they were looking for from both Boston as well as Miami in this potential, in this potential deal. If any, if if a deal was going to be made, so okay, here we go. Uh, wait a minute, no, this is okay. Here we go. So, for the Seventy Sixers, the Rockets wanted Tyrone Maxey, Matisse Tibble and Ben Simmons in any potential deal with the 76ers. Philadelphia instead decided to try and keep Maxie, but also take, but replace him with a couple of first-round picks, from what it sounds like. Boston, they wanted Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and multiple first-round picks in any deal with Boston. From Miami, well, hell, you could pretty much say they wanted the Mm -hmm. entire Miami Heat team. They wanted, and this is probably the most asinine of all the asking prices, they wanted Mm -hmm. Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Precious Achiua, Kendrick Nunn, two first-round picks, and four pick swaps. From the Miami Heat. I mean, Lou, doesn't it? What is? What does this translate out to you? When you when you take yeah, a look at a, what they were demanding from other teams, I think they're demanding a bit too much. With that, it is is. I mean, this is crazy. Any any way you look at it. All that, and you know, well, like I said earlier, you know, with the Nets being, you know, created to be a super team, you know, with with all those three egos there, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bust. In Indiana, well, you know, with Tyler Hero, hmm. I mean, with my when they were asking for certain players from Miami, you're pretty much taking away all of Miami's present and future. Yeah. With the with that asking yep. price for a guy That's that a has price. God knows how much longer in the league. I mean, I'm sorry for for a guy who's 31 years old, and I mean, let's face it. Normally, normally <laughs> players in the NBA they don't make they you know they they don't no. stay at the same high level of play for as long as they do, unless you're somebody like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. 
you know, you just you just don't stay at that high level of competition. No, you don't. And with Harden already being thirty-one, and actually, no, let me take a let me take old. a. No, it's not really that old, but at the same time, though, you you take a you take a look at, at how players once they reach a certain point in their career yeah. their their play starts to diminish a little bit i mean you take a you take a look at lebron right, okay. for example you take a look at lebron for example lebron he used to be dominant yes. and he still kind of is. he still kind of is but lebron he was dominant to the point of where he could put a team on his back and basically carry them the entire season. Now, right. once That's once true. he once he hit the age of like thirty three, thirty four, you know his his play just uh-huh. started to diminish. Now I get it. And yeah, I mean, and he but wasn't I don't think it's been like ram up yet. No, I'm not. I'm not writing him off. No, definitely. Hell no, definitely okay. not. But I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that. When it comes, especially when it comes to a one-dimensional player like Harden, who's more focused on offense than he is uh, on defense, it's going to be much harder to justify keeping someone like him around, especially if you're not able to produce in this specific window of of however many years you have him. And by the way, a scoring update, I never would have guessed we would have this, but at the half, it is three mm-hmm. to three, a tie between I Baltimore this and Buffalo. Yeah. You're not dreaming, folks. That's the actual score. Yeah, this uh, – you know, let's, let's, let's jump right into football, actually, right now, because – all right, I'm that. still I'm still mind boggled about this whole about this whole game so far because literally yes. this whole this entire first half has been a run game against a pass game. Buffalo has decided that they can't do anything but pass the ball, and Baltimore mm-hmm. has decided they can't do anything but run the ball. And actually. <laughs> Baltimore, they've had, they've left, I believe. Let me just double check here. Yeah, they've left six points on the uh, out there on the field, with Justin Tucker going one for three from field goal range. And keep in mind, this Justin Tucker, he's usually he, he's usually automatic from from wow. from at least. From at least anywhere from forty-five to to fifty-five yards, he's usually Mister Automatic. Tonight. He's already missed two tonight, and Tyler Bass on the Buffalo Bills side, he I believe he's gone one for two, so he's missed one. We've already seen three yeah. missed field goal opportunities tonight for between these two clubs, and we still have an entire half to go here. Now, yeah. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, he's actually, believe it or not, outperforming 
Josh Allen right now. Nine of 16 for 123 yards. He also has seven, seven carries for 18 yards. Josh Allen, he's 13 of 22 for 120 yards. He has two carries for three yards. This entire game has literally been running against passing. Although I, I shouldn't actually, you know, I, I kind of take that back because ba- Baltimore, we've kind of oh. seen a little bit of both here. And for the first time in okay. a long time, Marquise Brown has actually been implemented into this game very early. He already has two catches for 51 yards. Now with Buffalo, obviously Stefan Diggs already has his already has his stats. You kind of expected that. John Brown though, six catches, 54 yards on seven targets after being basically MIA for pretty much the entire season. Now all of a sudden is starting to to pick things back up again to where he was last year. I mean, Evan, let's start with you. Did you did you ever expect when it was announced that it would be Buffalo against Baltimore in the divisional round that we would see such a low-scoring game so far? No, I, I, I didn't. I I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game, honestly. So did I. It's really mind-boggling, but at the same at the same time, maybe perhaps one thing that we can take from this is just exactly <laughs> how good each team's defenses are. I mean, keep in That's mind... Right. Or you can say that the offense you know, Possibly, yes. But keep in mind, you know, Evan, I know you, I know you played fantasy football this year. Hell, I did too. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, my team, my team ended up winning our league's championship this year. Congratulations. Baltimore, thank you. Uh, you ended up getting, getting fifth out of, out of how many? Out of 12. Out of 12. Our well, team decided not, uh, the last week of the playoffs were actually going to show up. Oh, go figure, right? Right. Yes. But... Baltimore, they had one of the top defenses this this year, at least fantasy wise. You know, they're known as having basically the dancers out there in the secondary where they would pretty they would pretty much celebrate after every turnover that they that they would commit. Or that, that, that they would pick up I would say I should say. Yet you have Buffalo who also hasn't really slacked either when it comes to their defense. So maybe perhaps the real story of this, of this game so far has basically been the battle of two defenses as opposed to, you know, as, as opposed to two high powered offenses, basically canceling each other out. Mm-hmm. I, Lou, do you think we should expect a higher second half once once we're once once adjustments are made 
at halftime here, or do you think we may see more of the same during the second half here? With I think we're going to see more of the same here. I mean, look at the way the score. I mean, judging how the way the the game has gone so far, I mean, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to come down to a a last minute field goal to win this game. I mean, nobody was expecting uh, this to happen. There was, you know. And there was saying about Lamar Jackson, oh, he's never had anything in the snow before against Coleman Buffalo. And I thought maybe he'd come down with a case of snow phobia. So, uh, well, that had more than that theory. So, they've made it to a competitive but lowest scoring game. As I said before, your defense is great, but your offense, well, it just plain sucks. But don't take my word for it. Let's just see what happens in the second half. Because, for all we know, I could be wrong. But based on the way this game is being played now, I don't think we'll see a lot more of any. Uh, I don't think we'll see a lot of possessions with the uh, scores. I think it's going to come down to like uh, the last few minutes, and it's going to be on a game-winning field goal. So this will probably be the lowest-scoring playoff game I think we've seen in my lifetime, or for anybody else's for that matter. Wow. You know, it's very possible that this game could actually be lower than than Super Bowl than the Super Bowl between the Rams I'll and the Patriots yeah. where it was thirteen to three. Yeah. And a good point a good point was actually made a good point was actually made by Jim in the uh in the thread that we have going on that said see what happens when you contain running quarterbacks and you make them have to pass to try and beat you. You find out if they can throw or not. And when it comes to those type of quarterbacks, that's why Pat Mahomes is so good. Because Mahomes. Thanks, Jim. Mahomes can make those throws. So far, from what we're seeing, I mean, Lamar Jackson so far hasn't been able to do anything this game. And granted, you know, Josh Allen, he was able to do it last week against against Indianapolis, but so far this week, you know, Allen hasn't had much more luck than than uh Jackson has so far. And now if we're assuming that Kansas City is gonna beat Cleveland in tomorrow's matchup I find yes. it hard to believe that either of these two teams will be able will be able to outscore Kansas City yeah. if they're at such a if they're at such a huge stalemate against each other. Right. Right. Now I don't know what's up with with Josh Allen because he's used to playing in these conditions. However we're basically seeing the same Lamar Jackson that we saw against the Patriots a couple of weeks ago, who basically struggled dur- during, uh, you know, during cold weather, during cold weather conditions. And I believe it's actually snowing a little bit there tonight. So it, it, with Lamar, it doesn't really surprise me. It kind of surprises no. me though with Allen. So, Okay. It kind of makes it kind of makes you wonder if if we're basically destined for another for another you know another Kansas City Super Bowl here. 
because yeah. I find it, it hard to believe. Too. It is tough to repeat, yes. And who knows? Maybe maybe I'm writing off the the Cleveland Browns too early here, but. Uh, let's face it. Not a lot of people thought that Cleveland was gonna was gonna do what they did last week, and and beat and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field, no less. But I just I'm finding it hard to see these two offenses the way they're playing right now. I'm finding it very hard seeing them potentially go one-on-one with Pat Mahomes. I mean, what what do you what do you think, Evan? Doesn't at, at the way that that things are going right now, doesn't this basically look like okay, one of these two teams is going to basically come in second to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. It honestly does, and like I'm, I'm happy because it's like the Chiefs are my team. But at the same time, it's like I like seeing other teams win. Right. Yeah, and the one thing that the coaches are saying I'm noticing right now is that the wind apparently is impacting the passing game drastically to the point of where the wind is even impacting the snap. Well, now, I'm kind of wondering I'm kind of wondering if that's just Matt Scora just absolutely has sucked recently in recent weeks at snapping the ball. I'm kind of wondering if that's just an uh an issue with with Scora over on the Baltimore side, but I mean, I can kind of understand the wind because, let's face it, up here in the Northeast, when it gets windy, it gets very windy. Oh, yeah. And and let me take a look real quick. Let's see. They're in Orchard Park. They're in Orchard Park, New York. And let me just let me just see where the where the wind is right now. The wind. The wind is at 17 miles per hour, and who knows who knows what the wind gusts are currently. But you know that could that could be a big reason why we're seeing the struggles that we're currently seeing out there between both of these clubs. However, I am still shocked that usually, you know, those type those type of adjustments. You are, are usually are you usually end up being made. Hang on, real quick. We have a uh, we have a caller calling in. Uh, area code six zero eight. You are on the air. Why, hello. I'm not dead. Well, uh, long time no long time no talk, Tom. I know. How are you guys? Oh, wait. Tom's alive. Yeah, Tom. Uh, Tom. Tom is apparently alive. Well, yeah. uh, Tom. We have uh, we have Evan on the line, and we also have uh, Lou on the line. Um, I gotta ask you. Hey guys. What? 
I got to ask you, what's up with your uh, what, what's up with your Buffalo Bills tonight? Uh, well, I believe they're allergic to running. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought so too. I say that yeah. as he gives the ball to Singletary and he gets almost ten yards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's when you when you take a look at these uh, when you take a look at these two teams, you know it's kind of odd that with these two high-powered offenses, that we're seeing such a stalemate here at three to three apiece. Well, again, I think a lot of it uh, has to do with both defenses have game planned really well for this game. And I mean, Buffalo's been known for passing it. So Baltimore isn't blitzing like they would normally do. And they're definitely dropping back into coverage and covering our receivers really well. And I said, going into this game, if we were going to have any kind of success, Dawson Knox was going to have to have a big night. And so far it hasn't happened. And our defense has stepped up, I say, as he throws it to Dawson Knox for 15. (laughs) But I was saying Dawson Knox was going to have to have a big night, and so far it hasn't really happened. And so they have covered these guys well, and our defense has come to play, which it seems like when they're in prime time is when they've come to play the best this year. Mm. Yeah, well, quite quite frankly, you know, I I mentioned this earlier that so far we've basically seen a passing game against a run game. Although I can't really say that about Baltimore though because Baltimore has been more well-rounded. But hell, this this uh this run we just saw from Josh Allen was I believe the third run we've seen all game long from the Buffalo offense, and it, it you know it, it it just makes it, it makes me wonder why all of a sudden the you know the 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 change in um, in strategy it just kind of seems like Buffalo has been more about basically challenging you know this. Uh, has been more about challenging, uh, you know, that Baltimore defense, you know, that they thrive on basically turnovers and intercepting the ball to where they, they do these stupid little dances after every turnover. It's almost like Buffalo is basically saying, okay, you know what? Let's force you to, uh, you know, let's force you guys to, uh, to do that shit on us. Well, that's that's exactly it. And Allen has been yeah. very smart with the ball this year. Where I mean, they've got the fumble early in the game, but he's very good at holding on to the ball and not, you know, making those stupid mistakes like he's made the last couple of years. And there goes yeah. Singletary the, for um... another one. Yeah, you you know we uh, we we've seen Buffalo 
play with – it really seems like this year they've really taken the next step, maybe because, maybe because a big reason has to do with the fact that Tom Brady ended up leaving the AFC East or – I don't know, you know, per, perhaps it's because the the New England the New England Patriots have basically fallen off the cliff this year, but it really uh-huh. we we finally it, it seems like we've finally seen Buffalo take that next step it seems to right. where but now Buffalo they were building for that Buffalo's, next step. They've been building for that next step for the last 3 years since McDermott got there. And, you know, they finally have a team in McDermott and Bean that have made all the right moves. And, and right that's, we, you know, right that's something that in that. the East, that's something in the East during the last 20 years, you couldn't say about any team other than New England. Right. And we have a, uh, we have a, a touchdown, uh, a touchdown here by, I believe it was, is that Diggs? It's what I think it, it was. That's well, nice the score. Now, uh, I would say pro- probably one of one of the biggest shockers so far here, Tom. Maybe, I mean, you've you know you've lived in the area before uh, when it comes to the wind and whatnot, but it really seems like the wind has really affected not just the passing game, but also the kicking game uh, tonight. Uh, how shocked have you been uh, so far when it comes to uh, the performance of both uh, to the performance of both kickers so, so far? Mm-hmm. Justin Tucker, you know, has has been known to barely miss ever in his career, and yet he's already missed two field goals tonight. And Tyler Bass, you know, he's gone one for two tonight from field goals. Right. I'm not surprised because, like they say, that wind, when you get in there, that stadium, it's like the wind is a cyclone in there, and it completely blows in a circle the whole time. And so when you get a night like this where the four-mile-an-hour wind, in that circle, maybe it's like 10 to 15. And you can watch those poles will sway and move the whole time. When it really gusts, when you get up like 10 to 15, those poles will lean real bad. Because I've been to some games like that where those posts are like leaning really bad to the right or the left, depending on which side of the stadium you're on. Yeah, I've just I've just found it very odd that you know we've seen we, we we usually we've seen somebody like Justin like Justin Tucker make kicks from pretty much virtually anywhere out there on the field, and now all of a sudden it's it's almost like he's he's all of a sudden forgotten how to kick to where I believe both of his attempts have gone off of the, uh, off of the pole. Yeah. They've thunked off the upright. The two he missed and the third one he made, it just barely got in the upright. 
Um, by the way, Evan, you are officially uh, you are officially back on. Uh, you uh, for some reason uh, you got disconnected. I don't know why, but you're officially what? back on here. It, it's it's Tom. me. As soon as I, I, I show up, Tom. Tom, Tom's 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 kicking people off. But uh, you know what? Another thing that we that we talked about, Tom, before you ended up joining us tonight, was the Houston Rockets. They traded away James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, and we discussed about how you know maybe perhaps this may be another version of the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett trade, to where this will essentially hurt the Brooklyn Nets in the long run because of them pretty much mortgaging their future for an exchange, in exchange for, you know, trying to win now. Uh, what are your thought? What are your thoughts about that trade with, with Houston pretty much basically in a four team trade, they basically replaced James Harden with Victor Oladipo, got a couple of bench players and also, pretty much control all of Brooklyn's picks, all of Brooklyn's first round picks for the next seven years, essentially. Yeah, I think Brooklyn gave away too much. I I, I mean, I know Harding will really upgrade their team and make them, you know, put them towards that top contender. But I, I think they gave up way too much for him. Yeah, and we kind of, we kind of basically agreed about that uh, earlier tonight. When you, you you usually don't see that type of you know that type that type of investment in a player, especially somebody around. I, I don't care, you know, how big of a superstar they are. You don't see that type of a player, uh, you know, with about three years left on his deal and they basically Houston basically commanded the world essentially for him to where hell they pretty much, you know, you know how well the young players did for Miami last year. They basically asked for all of Miami's young players along with two, along with two first round picks and for Boston they had asked for for Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and multiple first-round picks as well for a start of any deal potentially involving Harden. I mean, to me, it, it just it kind of seems like as far as as far as Brooklyn goes, they definitely gave up a hell of a lot more than I think any other team would have given up. And maybe it's because they're desperate to show their fans, you know, hey, we're we're actually going to try to actively contend and actively, you know, try and win a uh, an NBA title. But do you think that this could perhaps backfire on them, knowing exactly how much of a uh, how much of divas, uh, not just James Harden, but also Kyrie Irving is. Well, I think, you know, as age plays a 
a part in it. I think, you know, it'll put Brooklyn in a competitive win now for the next, I'd say, two to three years before it actually starts to slide. I mean, it's not like they traded all these players in conference. I mean, they've gone from the Eastern Conference to the Western, right? I believe the Nets are Eastern. Yeah, and so it's not like they have to to face these guys all the time. So the fact that they switch conferences and stuff isn't going to hurt them as much as, you know, the age of some of the age of Harding and what they gave up. Those seven draft picks are going to hurt. And actually, I should, I should, uh, I should switch what 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 I mean here. When I say they control the next seven round, the next seven years, I basically mean they have four of Brooklyn's first round picks, including the uh, the pick that they got from Milwaukee. However, right, and they get they, also, they control they those picks. Control. They get the pick which ones they get, and that yeah. is going to be huge because if there uh, if there's that one player towards the end of that first round that can be a difference maker, Houston's going to be like, you know what, we'll take that one. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to make a a huge difference when it comes to what Houston decides that they want to do. Um, but you know what? Let's talk uh, staying with uh, with football a little bit here, or, or going back to football, I should say. Let's talk about the national championship game that we just yes. witnessed last week between mm. uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, Lou, if I remember correctly, we basically gave – no shot whatsoever to the Buckeyes yep. Yep. Exactly. last week. Pretty much saying that this was going to be, uh, well, as close to a whitewashing as possible. And to be perfectly honest, we kind of saw that here with the with the Crimson <laughs> well, Tide. As the game, yes and no. As the game wore on, yeah, then it turned into a, to a, to a route. Uh, for Alabama, as well as we expected. But Ohio State did try to make a game of it, you know, in the first uh, half of the game. It looked more competitive. But once the game wore on, uh, that was it. We clearly knew that Alabama was going to kick the living crap out of Ohio State. I mean, you can't you can't stop the uh, offense of, of uh, Alabama. Well, the thing yeah, you have obviously. to remember about – the thing you have to remember yes. about Alabama is – their recruiting right now is so high that they've been yeah. basically get five to six of the top 20 recruits every year because everybody wants to go to Bama because Bama's been a winner. That's freaking believable. And as long as they continue to do that, that is going to be, you know, it. they're just going to keep rolling. And I think as long as Nick Saban's there and they keep rolling like this, they're going to continue to get that many of the top 20. And that's yeah. what really makes the difference. Yeah. What, they make, where would you they rank Alabama like, like with, um, you know, I, I think every decade has had its share of uh, dominance. 
I mean, like, you know, Nebraska did it back in the 90s and whatnot, and in the 80s you had, I think, well, um, Notre Dame in the 60s as well. So where would this rank in, like, you know, within the among football, college football's greatest dynasties? It's got to be up there. Well, you got to put it up there. you got to put it up there with uh, uh, the U of Miami from the 80s. Yes, Miami. Mm-hmm. You got uh, you, when they were going on their run. I mean, you you have to put it up yeah. there with, you know, quite a few of those teams that went on runs like that. You know, you had your right. Florida States in the nineties. You know, you, you know had a couple, uh, couple Florida teams in the nineties, the Gators and the Seminoles, which were winning championships. Well, I thought every Nebraska couple of years. was more dominant back then. Nebraska's biggest mistake was joining the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like ever since they joined the Big yeah. Twelve, they've gone downhill. I know. What a shame. Because the back, cause back uh, then, you know, they looked unstoppable. Now they're a pile of puke. I, I think a lot of that has to do with coaching as well. Because when uh, your coach, well, when your uh, when your coach isn't getting the most out of his players and they're not winning like big 12 championships and things like that, you know, that hurts your recruiting. And so a lot of players are going to look at him and go, why do I want to go to the big 12 constantly take the beating that that's basically all that happens in big 12. Those teams just beat the living shit out of each other. Yeah. Just like Rutgers does in the big 10, which is their big mistake. Yeah. Dodge River, a powerhouse anyway, but you suck even more now. And, but that's just it. I mean, you, you get those guys that just, in the Big 12, they do nothing but just beat the hell out of each other and knock each other down. And, you, you know, why would you want to go there when you can go to a place like Alabama where you're not going to take that type of beating, but you're going to be winning championships every year? which helps uh-huh. your draft stock, which, you know, it, it it builds. Plus, when you have Nick Saban, who is basically running an NFL-style system in what's basically minor league football, you're going to have a team that pretty much comes out and just destroys you every year. Yes. Oh, looks like this may be a house call here. Yep, we have a pick six. From number twenty four. I can't I couldn't I couldn't get the get the name, but uh Buffalo now leads sixteen to three over the Baltimore Ravens. Um it's funny. I think that, that, that was Poyer. Oh yeah, you know what? I think that is Poyer. I think Poyer's funny because I because it's funny because I end I ended up using him a whole bunch on Madden Ultimate Team last year. Um, well, but, uh, don't get funny. me started on Madden Ultimate because that's basically what's fucking killed Madden games. That's why they haven't done anything impressive to it for the last twenty years. It's got the same yeah, crappy gameplay obvious. from about twenty years ago. And they make billions of dollars off an of ultimate team that are pay to win. Obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah. 
you know, it's it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned uh, draft stock because that was one of the talking points that I was going to talk about here with the with the national title game with Mac Jones pretty much putting on the performance of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. I believe he broke. I believe I believe he broke the passing yards record that was set that was set last year by Joe Burrow in the national title game. Uh, 464 yards, five touchdowns. A lot of people originally had him as the 32nd uh, overall pick for the NFL draft standings heading into this year. But it kind of sounds like maybe perhaps his draft stock has risen quite a bit here with this with the, with this performance, and not not just this performance, but his performance overall to the point of where he was a Heisman finalist this year. And speaking yes. of the Heisman Trophy, you had of course Devontae Smith who put up 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns. And that was only in the first half before he ended up breaking. I think he ended up breaking his hand or something. I, I don't know. He had some sort of injury yeah. that took him out of the second half and allowed some of the uh, some of the other players, like John Mechie the third, to to step up and basically provide uh, provide some provide some stats for uh, for Alabama in his absence. Uh, you had Jalen Waddle return from injury, uh, three catches, 34 yards, and actually Najee Harris. He had seven catches for 79 yards with a passing touchdown, and also 22 carries for 79 yards and two rushing touchdowns. And another thing to keep in mind too, uh, it, it sort of seems like we saw complete polar opposites here between quarterbacks. Justin Fields, you know, his draft stock was on the rise all season long. Then all of a sudden, it seems like, you know, after after he had that stellar game against Clemson, he falls back down to earth here against Alabama, only throwing yes. for 194 yards and one passing touchdown. Now, granted, he was injured. You know, he wasn't playing at fully at 100%. But he was still – it wasn't the same Justin Fields that that fans have been used to watching no. when it comes to no. Ohio State. And also, I believe he played for Georgia, I think, at one point, didn't he? Am I correct? That's yes. the other uh, – that's where he transferred out of. Mm-hmm. But, you know, taking a look at this game – I would kind of have to think that Devontae Smith, you're probably looking at him as a top three option now in the draft. Like if he's not, if he doesn't go first or second, which we know that we know that New York and uh, Jacksonville are going to be going after quarterbacks. You kind of have to assume that when it, when it comes to Miami, Miami's probably going to be potentially looking at partnering up to a Tonga Vailoa, assuming they don't trade for Deshaun Watson. They're probably yes. looking at Tua Tonga Vailoa and partnering him up with his former <laughs> his former uh, receiver Devontae Smith here potentially, even though 
a lot of mock drafts had Smith going number six overall to the Eagles. I honestly, I, I failed to see how he falls that far in the draft, in the draft rankings. Um, and how even Jay, I would say probably Jalen Waddle, you may potentially see him at number six to the Eagles, yeah. but I mean, let's start, let's start with you, Evan. Do you think we saw considerable draft improvements or, or, uh, or any negatives coming out of this game for certain players? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think teams that were maybe starting to look at maybe get maybe going for Justin Fields are starting to second guess themselves because now you you saw the highs and then you now you got the lows of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in all honesty, you know, I'm looking at at Mac Jones now, and I'm thinking, right, you know, with his uh, with, with him originally being ranked 32nd out of all out of out of you know the uh, the total draftable players, uh, I think it was Mel Kiper Mel Kiper Jr. who said that. Oh, the ceiling he see the ceiling he sees for Mac Jones right now is number fifteen to the New England Patriots. He believes that's how far, how high uh, Mac Jones can potentially go in the draft is number fifteen overall to the Patriots. Yes. Or what are what are Hyper, your what are yeah. your thoughts on that, Lou? Do you think do you think that? Uh, that Mac made enough of a enough of an impression to where you know you're probably looking at at a higher position for him, maybe potentially as high as 15. I think it might be a little bit higher than that with the performance on Monday night. So uh, I think it might hit just um, maybe just outside the top 10, but it's, I think it's gonna be higher than you know most people think. Wait a minute, is this a safe? Uh oh. the quarter. Oh, that is a that is a huge problem right now for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson unable to get up. Oh no. We may it's it from what it looks like, it looks like we could potentially see Robert Griffin the third come in here. Uh unless yeah. unless uh it's unless it's Trace McSorley that's the backup. I think you might go with him. But but Todd, Tom, what are you what are your thoughts when it comes to to the play the, the performances that we saw uh in the national title game? Was there anything that stuck out to you when it comes to uh how it could potentially impact uh Impact any players' draft stock of some of the big name players that that were uh, playing in this game. Well, when it comes to the players in the title game, I think you're definitely going to have Alabama players still going in the top ten. But I, I think a lot of that also comes back. You're still going to see Trevor Lawrence go number one. 
I, I don't think Jacksonville goes for anything other than a quarterback because that's their biggest need, especially now that they've gotten rid of Doug Moron. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be trending in the right direction thanks to the Jets being the Jets doing the Jet thing and winning two games to make sure they didn't get that first pick because mm-hmm. Jets got a Jet. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel so I feel so bad for Jets fans. I really do. Thanks. It, I mean, it's it, it's a new decade, same old Jets. Right. So Salah's not going to do anything for the Jets, is what you're telling me, right? The biggest problem no. with the Jets is ever since their own, uh, the new owner came in, they yeah. haven't had any kind of stability. And he's right. made all right. the wrong choices as far as coaching and GMs, and they keep switching coaches. And so Sam Darnold, I feel real bad for him because he's got be all right the back. talent in the world. He's got all the talent in the world, but he hasn't had any of the right coaches to help coach him up to do it. I mean, he should be, you know, the guy fighting with Allen right now for the AFC East, not Tua. But Miami leapfrogged them by being smarter, drafting smarter, and just having a better overall setup from the owner on down. And so what you're going to see is, I I think like you said, I think Miami's going to go ahead and get Smith to work with either Tua or uh, Watkins, mostly because Watson. Uh, Watson, that's it. Yeah, with either Tua or Watson, because either way, you put Wat, uh, Deshaun with Smith, and you have that one-two connection he had early in his career in Texas before they traded his top receiver to Arizona without telling him. And and it's, you know, it's that kind of thing where you're going to see those same players that you know are going to go in the top five. I'm back, fellas. Those top five players, there's not going to be much. Those are usually the easy-to-call ones. It's those ones between maybe eight and 20 that could surprise you. Like you could see a guy – come up and jump up to take a lineman or something, you know, something that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it's obviously we always see every year where there's some, you know, there's some sort of surprise that's, that right. uh, that's brought up in the draft, you know. I, I, I obviously we we always see either somebody go and trade up, which we'll never see the Patriots do. Let's be perfectly honest. Or yeah, they trade right. down. Yeah, if they do anything, they only trade down. Or we end up seeing yeah. some sort of pick get made to where we're to where we question. Why the hell would you would you reach that high 
for somebody that could be that could be picked in like say the second round or the third round or depending on what round you pick in you're picking in. Yeah, but sometimes you know, that works out too. Yeah, I mean obviously I mean, sometimes sometimes it does it does work out, but I mean you said you, know, you saw a couple of years ago Buffalo traded their pick traded back and KC jumped up to take Mahomes. I'd have to say that worked out for him. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly, because it got Kansas City uh, a Super Bowl ring, right? Well, and as far as Reed Buffalo first goes, Super Bowl ring. Yeah, and Buffalo went it out got and got Re- uh, Tre'Davious White, who was the guy they wanted, anyways. So we traded back. We True. got extra draft picks, and we used those draft picks to get Milano, and then the trade up to get Allen. So you know, I, you know, we basically traded. Patrick Mahomes for Milano, White, and Allen. I think it worked out for both teams, especially if this holds up the way it's going now when uh, Buffalo's able to score here and really go on top. And we finish this game out. Maybe we see Mahomes next week and really have a showdown. Uh, an update here. The Ravens have said that quarterback Lamar Jackson is officially in concussion protocol. So that is uh, – that's a wrap for the Ravens uh, yeah. tonight, I would say. Well, at least it's concussion and it's not something more serious. I was afraid for, like, knee or ankle or right concussion. Yeah. He'll be fine in a week or so. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, you're probably going to be with, with only a quarter left to go here. You know, you're you're down two scores, and obviously, we don't we don't know who uh, we don't know who is going to be coming in for Baltimore. I don't even know who the backup is tonight for Baltimore, but uh, you know, I don't really think that Robert Griffin the third is going to make much of a difference. Maybe if they, maybe if they put McSorley as the backup tonight, perhaps, you know, there might be, there might be something going on here. Uh, but I don't know. I, I really think now we're probably looking at a, at a Buffalo Kansas city matchup next week. And, of course, yeah. you know, maybe we're perhaps jumping the gun here. Maybe we're perhaps jumping the gun a little bit. But let's, you know, let's talk about maybe. Cleveland against uh, Cleveland mm-hmm. against Kansas City tomorrow. I mean, we didn't think that Cleveland was gonna was gonna beat Pittsburgh like they did. Well, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, not really to you guys, but I've been saying for the last few weeks, ever since they went on that eleven to zero run of wins. Pittsburgh's biggest problem was they had Roethlisberger throwing 40 to 50 times per game. By the time mm-hmm. they were done with that 11-0 run, his arm was a noodle. It was shot. And that's why they went 1-5 the last six games. Because, you know, right. those his arm, that repaired uh, elbow of his, it couldn't hold up. And they, they said he was having problems with his knees and other things. But mostly that arm was just shot. He overused it. They needed to have more of a hard-nosed running style. And 
Roethlisberger at his age should not be throwing 40 to 50 times per game. No. Well, no. and that, it's, that's basically it's, what killed Pittsburgh. It, yeah, it's funny that you bring that up here because let me take a look at the stats officially from last week's game. Roethlisberger threw 68 times, completing 47 passes for 501 yards, four touchdowns, and four picks. To me, it it seemed like there was absolutely no confidence whatsoever in James Conner. I don't right. know why, considering James Conner at one point was considered to be was considered to be Jesus compared to Le'Veon Bell. That was like a laugh bar. I mean, it's it, it just it seemed like. Uh, Pittsburgh basically went away from their from their whole philosophy about you know uh, basically being a run a run style offense, which would then open up the passing game. And instead, we saw there were only a combined total of sixteen rushes last week for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger having one of them for no yards. But see, that there proves my point. I mean, those 11 wins, he was just overthrowing the ball. And when you have a running back the last couple of years, like Connor, who has been hard-nosed, downhill runner, just pounding it, when you have that Derrick Henry runner back there, you hand that ball off to him, at least a couple times a drive, you want to hand it at least to him four to five times each drive, especially if you're getting first downs. Because let him do his thing as, and save your aging quarterback. It's the same thing that happened in Denver with Elway. They went out and they got him Terrell Davis, and that's when he won his rings, is when they took all the pressure off his arm and gave him that running back. It's what they tried to do down in Tampa with uh, Fournette and uh, what's his name to give that one-two punch for running for Brady because even as good as Brady has been throwing at the last few weeks, he's going to need a running game because you can't ask him to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game, not at his age. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I would say, I mean, obviously, we still knew that Pittsburgh was going to put up a whole bunch of a whole bunch of numbers, uh, a whole bunch of stats last yeah. week. I would say the mm-hmm. biggest surprise, though, was that Cleveland, they, considering the fact they did not have their offensive line coach, they didn't have the backup offensive line coach, they didn't have their head coach with them. Because of uh, because of COVID related issues, and yet they put up forty eight points on one of the top defenses in the league this year. Go figure. But I just want to I mean, interject one. I just want to interject one thing. How twenty twenty of it would it be for an AFC Championship game to be Cleveland versus Buffalo? Two teams that are over the last twenty years on playoff wins <laughs> to be in the AFC championship. That is just completely twenty twenty right there. 
Oh, come on, Tom. We don't we don't want to we don't want 2020 to be around any any much longer than it's it's no, 2021 right now. It, we, it, it is 2021, but that would just be the total 2020 thing right there to have a AFC Championship game of Cleveland and Buffalo, two teams who have been pretty much sucked since the year 2000. Well, yeah, it's true, but still. <laughs> to me, I find that. Funny. I mean, he's. I mean, he's not lying. I could honestly see it if somehow, mm-hmm. if Cleveland somehow rides this wave of momentum and uh, Pat Mahomes continues to show, you know, just exactly how human he's been the past couple of the past couple of uh, of weeks, you know, with his turnovers that he's that he's committed. We really could right. potentially be looking at a potential Cleveland upset. Uh huh. Well, Cleveland. I mean, Lou, do you think? That, do you think that could? Lou, do you think that could be potentially in the works? Uh, you know, could Cleveland uh, waving this this uh, riding this wave of momentum? I mean, when you when you think about it. Pittsburgh, they were already looking. They were already looking down on them to begin with. Uh, yes. With, yeah, uh, what's his that. face? With what's his face? Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster saying all that shit about them before the game. Uh, right. Basically saying that the basically saying that the Browns were just any other team, and you know uh, that the Browns were pretty much nothing to them, and the Browns essentially rode that wave. And use that locker room talk basically as as uh, as fuel. And now to have to face the defending, uh, you know, the the defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, honestly, we could be looking. At, I wouldn't be shocked if we potentially see another upset this week. I don't know. Up against Kansas City, I highly doubt it. I mean, I expected them to be Pittsburgh, but I don't know about, you know, I don't know, being all my Kansas City with Patrick Holmes. That's a little bit, that's a little bit tougher to come by. So I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's very unlikely. I don't know, though. I mean, it, Evan, what are you, what are your thoughts? You know, could, I know you're a Chiefs fan, but it, it kind of has to worry you a little bit that Pat Mahomes, you know, he's been this uh, this larger than life star so far this, mm-hmm. so far this uh, this year or so far in his career, I should say, uh, to where you know people <laughs> thought that that he was a robot at one point, to where there's no way that he can make mistakes, right. and now all of a sudden it sort of seems like he's come back down to earth recently. You know, could could we perhaps see another another potential upset? I honestly think we could. And I was telling one of my coworkers, it's like, I'm indifferent on this game because part of me wants to root for the Chiefs because that's, that's always been my team. That's my team. But I also like rooting for the underdog. And Cleveland's the biggest underdog right now. Yeah. Wow. What a what a name here. It's neither it's it's neither RG three nor Trace McSorley. 
and said Tyler Huntley is in at quarterback. I see. And if you know, if Lamar's gonna wanna if if Lamar's gonna wanna uh come out like Superman <laughs> again like he did a couple yeah. of weeks ago and end up uh, coming back to win the game. He's going to have to do it pretty quickly because time's ticking here. Right. Because apparently he did not He did not leave the arena. Apparently he's still there. Um, let me just double check real quick. I don't think – oh, yeah, he has been declared out officially. So, right. Uh, all, basically all the pressure falls upon, uh, falls upon Huntley. And I don't know. I don't know what the hell Collinsworth is smoking here, but fourth down territory on your own nineteen. What? That's what. That's what Collinsworth is. Somebody needs to tell Chris it's puff puff pass, not inhale the whole thing in one shot. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know what? Actually, uh, I'm I'm following a uh, a little thread we have going on in Sports Whispers here. Uh, Jim brings up a good question: Where the hell is RG three? Is he is he injured or yeah. something, or is he, um, well, you know, where is he? Is he out for the out for the out for the for the game, or is he is he injured? I don't know. You'd have to check the inactive. Apparently, it says here that Huntley's been the backup for the last five games. So, RG3 and and, uh, and McSorley must both be injured in order for that to even be a possibility here. So this is basically, I mean, I know, I know it's for, it's fourth down territory here, but you're asking quite a lot out of hunt. Oh yeah. That was way too over. Marquis mm-hmm. Marquise Brown isn't even, isn't even, uh, isn't even that fast to catch, to catch up to, uh, to that high of a pass. Way too high. Um, now, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, of course, you know we have the Browns, the Browns and the Chiefs tomorrow. Uh, we also yeah. have the Buccaneers and the Saints. As Tom Brady looks to finally get the opportunity to break uh, his winless streak against the Saints this year, as uh, he's been blown out twice by the Saints. The second time, even worse. Yeah. Uh Considering, though, that Tampa has been sort of building things up uh, in terms of their in terms of their offense compared to the last time that they faced the Saints, could we perhaps see uh, Brady finally solve the Saints' oh, mystery of the of the Saints' defense this week? 
Uh, I mean, what, what, you what are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, do you think that we could see – is this finally the week? I mean, obviously it's win or go home here. Uh, yeah. But could could we – is this finally the week that, you know, that Brady finally solves that mystery of the Saints' defense? Maybe. I don't know. It, it, it seems, you know, it, it, this is going to be, like I said, the best matchup of the week, Brady versus Breeze. But um, Saints, you know, at home are pretty are pretty tough. And uh, I don't know with um, the chances on the road with uh, with with, Tam- with uh, Tampa, even with Brady. So I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this one to the Saints. I mean, granted, I know that. I know that Breeze is still dealing with what eleven broken ribs. How I still don't even know how the hell he's playing with eleven broken ribs. But you know, I'm just I'm kind of finding it hard to believe that you know that Brady is going to go completely winless against the team this season, like the Saints. You would think after facing them for the third time. That or after facing them twice previously, that Brady would find will finally have figured out uh, this Saints puzzle. Yeah. Well, here's the biggest thing: whenever you face a team three times in one year, it's really tough to beat that team. I mean, it, you've seen it many, many years. When you face any team, especially in your division, three times. By that third time, they've got a lot of what you do figured out. I mean, look mm-hmm. at what Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Uh, look at Cleveland and Pittsburgh. It's the reason why Buffalo went ahead that week seventeen and made sure Miami yes. didn't make the playoffs. Mostly because you don't want to face a team a third time in a season. No. I mean, just like. I'm sure Kansas City didn't want to face somebody from the West a third time in the division playoffs. It's one of those reasons why, if you can, you make sure nobody else from your division makes it to the playoffs. If you have that shot to knock them out that last week, you want to knock them out because you don't want to face them that third time. And so I have a feeling it's going to come down to the last play, whoever has the ball last tomorrow yeah. in that final game is going to be the one who wins it. And if the Saints can pull it off, I think a lot of that's going to have to do with their defense and Kamara. Yeah, you know, I would like to hope at least that Brady and uh, and Arians and company will have learned from the first two blowouts that they had to endure against this Saints team. I mean, the first one was bad. The first one was bad enough, but the second one was even worse because Brady didn't even score a single time during, uh, during that, that entire game. It was, it was a complete blowout in that, uh, in that capacity. Um, but, You know, it, 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 I, I just find it very hard to believe 
that we won't see yeah. uh, Brady finally solve that puzzle. Uh, Evan, what, Evan, what are your what are your thoughts? Sorry, I, I, I was looking at something. Uh, yeah, it's like I like. Watching Brady play and it's like never give Brady time is what I've learned watching him. And so it's like you give him a third game, it's like yeah, you blew him out the first two. That by that third game, he will have figured out what the fuck he needs to do. I think we uh, lost each other. Are we still here? I'm here. Oh, oh whoops! I'm sorry. I, I, okay. I'm sorry. I just realized I had my I had myself on mute the entire time. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think uh, to to take myself off of uh, off of right. mute. But um. Well, I may have to go JB, anyway because I think uh, uh, business is calling. So I'll say good night now. Good night. Night. Oh, okay, Lou. Well, night. Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you for joining us tonight, Lou. Um, JB, uh, I know you've been busy with uh, with watching the UFC. Uh, hopefully, you finally got to watch uh, some of the fight take place uh, today. I know, I know, it was on uh, it was on what ABC. Yes, yes, it was. Um, well. I mean, let's 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 talk about that first. Uh, you know, what uh, what kind of a uh, of a debut uh, could you possibly have, uh, or could you possibly want, I should say, uh, than that, where you have basically Max Holloway uh, fight to a decision, a decision victory, I believe it was, right? Uh, earlier today, on uh, I believe it was against Calvin Qatar. Yes, and to you know just to say that the uh, you know whole car it, it was just the whole card was just you know it it was just a gr- a great card, and to have that kind of card. Um, when you're, uh, you know, when you're, when you're fighting the first uh, fight of 2021, and to have it on uh, ABC, you know, that was just, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, like like uh, Dana White said, you know, words just couldn't, uh, he couldn't uh, have it any better, really. Yeah, and uh I know I know you ended up missing the uh missing the prelims today because I I tried as hell to find uh because obviously WMR was <laughs> down um for for UFC. So I tried finding you finding you a uh, an alternate site uh to watch the prelims from, but I do have a solution for you uh for Wednesday's card, so I'll get a, I'll get a hold of you after that for uh, or before Wednesday, um, with the information on that. 
Uh, but, but JB, we we've been talking about the uh, about the divisional matchups in the NFL that have taken place this week, and the one thing we the one thing we've been discussing, obviously, with the Buffalo the Buffalo Bills currently on the verge, it appears, of making their first AFC Championship game in quite some time. Uh, their potential matchup will be either against the either they'll be hosting the Cleveland Browns or they'll be headed to Arrowhead to face off against the Kansas City Chiefs, who in you know they obviously they're the defending Super Bowl champions, but right. it it kind of seems like in recent weeks we've been seeing more of a human Pat Mahomes, I guess you want to call it, uh, where, you know, he, he's been known for being a past, a passing touchdown throwing machine, but yet barely throwing any picks. And yet the past couple of games that we've seen him play, it's almost like all of a sudden the house of, even though, even though that the chiefs have kept on winning, it seems like we've sort of seen the house of cards sort of start to fall a little bit when it comes to, to Pat Mahomes. So what are your thoughts on tomorrow's matchup against the Cleveland Browns who are riding high off of a upset victory at Heinz field of all places against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Could we potentially see another big upset? I don't think so, really. Uh, well, tonight I had uh, Baltimore picked, and I can uh, more or less put a loss on uh, Baltimore. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, clearly tomorrow, the I have uh, Kansas City picked. Uh, you know, by 10 over Cleveland. Uh, you know, looking back on it right now, I think it'll be a closer game than 10 points, but I can still see uh, Kansas. I can still see Kansas City uh, winning. And, you know, that's, you know any anything like uh like in the UFC anything can happen between uh now and the end of uh you know that uh, football game you know cleveland well, could clearly. come back from being behind who knows yeah clearly obviously anything anything can happen when it comes to when it comes to a game like like this, for example, I mean, Cleveland, you know, they've been, as I mentioned pre- uh, previously before you came on the line, that they've been pretty much riding this wave of momentum considering all this locker room talk that had been going on with, with you know, Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers basically saying that Cleveland was basically just any other team. You know, I can play against uh, the Cleveland Browns are just like uh, – I forget the exact quote that he said, but it, he basically made it seem like 
you know, there's nothing really special when preparing for to play against a team like the Browns. I don't you know. That, I, I don't know. I I think uh, Kansas. I think Kansas City will be in for a shock when they play uh, Cleveland, and I can even see Cleveland jumping out ahead. But then again, I can also see uh, Kansas City uh, rebounding and uh, coming back and uh, you know beat, beating them. To say that they'll beat Cleveland by 10, I don't think so. I'd like to see it, but, you know, I I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be uh, 10 points. I think it might be more like, uh, oh, three or four, three or four points. I can see like maybe 20, I can see maybe like uh 24 to 21 or something like that. You know, I think, I think a big thing that may play a factor as well is exactly how healthy each club, each club is. Like I know, for example, Cleveland, they're supposed to be getting back their number one cornerback Denzel Ward, who was out last week with a, uh, with an uh, an undisclosed injury. He had missed the past, uh, the past couple of games actually, I think, but he is, supposedly going to be in tomorrow's lineup. So I would assume that they'll be at full strength or at least close to full strength. Obviously they won't have Odell Beckham Jr. Cause he's out for the year. Right. But I think what'll be very interesting to see is just exactly how the coaching style changes with Kevin Stefanski coming back into the head coaching role for this matchup, considering that he missed last week with COVID issues. And we saw, right. it, 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 it just seemed like this, this team was a completely different team last, last week compared to what we've seen out of the Cleveland Browns this year. Well, I think they're a completely different team, especially the past, uh, what, month and a half? I mean, look, they ran over the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and I even picked uh, Pittsburgh last week. And, I mean, they just annihilated them, really. Yeah. Oh, I definitely I, – I had definitely picked Pittsburgh as well last week. I didn't think that Cleveland was going to – was going to play. I mean, granted, they beat Pittsburgh during the last week of the regular season, but that was against, you know, Pittsburgh's backups. They weren't even playing Roethlisberger. And so you, you take a look at who at, – at, at the two matchups and – I honestly thought that assuming that Pittsburgh would 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 play the run game and you know that would set up all of their matchup or uh in terms of one-on-ones and whatnot with uh with the receivers you know we would probably be looking at uh a potential big game for the Steelers but the big problem is is that their defense was just absolutely horrible last week. Oh yeah. But 
I mean, this is one of the top defenses. I mean, hell, you know, I had them in fantasy football, and they won me the uh, – well, actually, no, Devontae Adams won me the championship. But, uh, you know, the, the Steelers' defense was one, of the, was one of the top defenses, at least in fantasy football this year, because of all the turnovers that they were able to commit. But it, I don't think anybody looked at Cleveland and and uh, and saw them going up against Pittsburgh and saying that oh Cleveland's going to advance and face Kansas City. Nobody. Yeah, and one of was and one it. of the one of one of the big uh, uh, stats that they uh, had, that they even uh, uh, put up last week was that. In the past, what was it, 50 years, uh, Cleveland playing at, or the past, the past 50 games at that, uh, that Cleveland played at Pittsburgh, their record was only 6-44. and 44. And I thought, whoa. This is towards the beginning of the game, and I thought, you know what, Pittsburgh's going to come back, come back, and just beat them. And it's like they more or less, they more or less uh, gave it to them. Yeah, it's uh, it, w- it was it was very it was very surprising, especially considering Pittsburgh's history. Uh, in recent in recent years, ever since they ever since the earlier years when Cleveland had dominated uh, the the one on one matchups fifteen to five, I believe it was. Uh, I believe they said that's what the 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 record was early on, but uh, between the first twenty matchups between the two. Uh, but yeah, still, you know, nobody expected to see the Browns come out the way that they did. And pretty much we looked at it. It was like 28 to nothing, I think in the first quarter. And (laughs) people, some people were looking at it and basically saying, this game's done. You know, this, this is uh, the way that things are going there's no way that the that the Steelers with how with how that with how shitty they're playing they're not going to come back from this uh, you know from this deficit, especially uh, if they if they continued on the on the trend that they were going. Right, and another stat that came about towards the, I think it's towards the end of uh, it was in the uh, second quarter. Was that uh, they got a uh, message from uh, Coach uh, Cower, and he more or less said when he was coaching back in like uh, 2002 or 2004, um, Pittsburgh was down 27 to three, and they ended up coming back to beat them to beat Cleveland like uh, 36 to 27 or 36 to 31, something like that. And I thought, well, we got a whole half to go. Anything can, you know, this whole thing can change around. Pittsburgh can, you know, show their true, uh, you know, 
they're they're true colors and they they came back more or less or they tried to come back but uh you know it was uh thanks to a couple touchdowns that uh Cleveland had that uh you know saved them yeah Now the ne- the uh, the next topic that I have on my list here is obviously one of us mentioned earlier tonight the coaches with obviously Doug Maroney going going uh, by the by the wayside and leaving Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, we have new head coaching uh, openings around the league and probably the biggest name that has so far been announced so far has been Urban Meyer finally Urban Meyer. jumping his way into into the NFL and being hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars although it was it was rumored as well that he was in consideration for the LA Chargers position which honestly I kind of feel like he put he could have potentially done a lot more damage with the Chargers than the Jaguars because let's face it, the Jaguars is there's a lot, a lot of work that has to be done with that franchise. But Urban Meyer, he has, I believe he, I believe his contract is a five-year deal, I think it was, and he's entering, he's entering into a franchise now who's probably going to pick Trevor Lawrence with the number one, with the number one pick this year. Barring yeah. any sort of any sort of uh, random trade that's going to go down, I mean let's let's go one by one by one uh, with everyone here. We got Evan, we got Tom, and we got you, JB, uh, with us with with Lou having uh, having to leave us at the at the top of the hour here. Um, you know, let's start let's start with you, Evan. Uh, obviously. You know, Urban Meyer, he's been more known for his time at Ohio State and and Florida. And, you know, there have been a few there have been a few, you know, options or not options but discussions as to whether or not the college game can really translate well into the into the NFL in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of a coaching style. What are your thoughts on Urban Meyer joining the Jacksonville Jaguars? Do you think that he can potentially turn this franchise around, or is it going to take more than just a coaching change and a new voice in that locker room to to take the Jaguars back to contendership? Mm-hmm. You said he was in a five-year deal? It's a five-year deal. It's going to take about that much. Before before they even before they even think about contending, yeah, it's it, it going to take his uh, entire entire contract. I, I just don't know with his with his style of coaching. Obviously, he had success in in the college ranks, but. 
the coaching in the NFL is a completely different a completely different beast because you're not dealing mm-hmm. with with young kids. You know, you're dealing with uh, with grown adults that right. are probably not going to react well to the to the coaching style that you would normally see out of college. And plus, you're you know you're using different schemes as well in the NFL. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? You know, could we could could we perhaps see some uh, Urban Meyer come in and drastically change the culture of this of of the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise? I think you know he's definitely going to have the talented quarterback when they take Trevor, but we've seen a lot of those college coaches jump to the NFL and not really have the kind of success that they had in college. And I think the biggest question mark with Urban Meyer has to be his health. I mean, his health was a lot of the reason why he walked away from Florida when he did, why he walked away from Ohio State, and why he's kind of been out of coaching for, you know, the last couple of years. He's had these health problems, and it's one of those things where is he going to stay healthy for the five years to put in the work and the hours that a head coach puts in? Because they put in like 90 hours a week as a head coach studying game film, game planning, scouting, and all these other things that they do, not just, you know, what they do with their own team, but what they do because they have to make sure everything is on top of it. I don't know if Urban Meyer's health is going to hold out for five years to see this through. I I think he's going to be three and done. But I think he has talent to start to turn it around. I just don't know if he sees the completion of it. Yeah, I mean, you take you take a look at some of the at some of the talent that they have on that roster. I mean, obviously Gardner Minshew, he's probably going to be trade bait at some point here, especially with them taking uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, with the first overall pick. You know, they have a young running back in James Robinson that they're starting to build up. They got DJ Chark, who's been their top wide receiver for the past for the past two or three years right now. Uh, they got the likes of oh, they also got D.B. Westbrook as well, and uh, Lavisca Chanel Jr. They got Joe Schobert, who they who they acquired previous. I, I believe previously he had played for Cleveland at one point. Uh, so you know they do have these bits and pieces that they can work that they can work on. And considering the fact that they also have a pretty good off- offensive line, you know, just for example, uh, they have one of the best guards in Andrew Norwell as one as as well as one of the best centers in Brandon Linder, uh, at least as far as the AFC goes. So, you know, I think there's definitely a chance that, and plus the uh, their high draft pick last year, Josh Allen. No relation to to Josh Allen, obviously, of course, from from Buffalo, but you know there there's definitely 
some pieces already in place that they can start to build around. And I really don't know with Urban Meyer because you bring up an interesting point when it comes to when I, when it comes when it comes to uh, to his health. Well, <clears throat> I've probably got a totally different opinion than everybody on this. Well, welcome to the show, Jim. Hey, <clears throat> and this, uh, th- hey, don't get me wrong, this could be way, way, way wrong, but what I'm looking at, the, the key points I'm looking at, I think Urban Meyer is smart enough and listening to him in his, in his interviews, he's been talking a whole lot about being able to adapt. And that's what a lot of college coaches haven't been able to do when they've come into the NFL. They haven't been able to adapt because it is a different game. The athletes are better. I mean, you got guys that are like, you know, third or fourth cornerback on their team that would be stars in the NCAA. So it, it's different. So I think he understands that. I think he's been watching that. Because I, I, think, I think the last year or two, he's been wanting to get back. In. You know, um, there, were, there was talk last year about him getting the Cowboys job. And they say he turned it down. He didn't think it was the right situation. Um, for a guy of his knowledge and ability to look at this situation and say that that's the right fit for me, I think there's a lot there. Um, first, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a a pro bowler. I think he is a NFL quarterback. I don't think it's going to take him long. Um, it ain't going to be no Sam Darnold. It's not even going to take him long as it did Baker Mayfield. Um, Daniel Jones, I think he will step in next year. And he'll throw some picks, but he's going to be flashy. He's going to put up some big stats. And here's something that so far I think everybody's overlooked. Jacksonville has either the number one or number two cap space in the league to go out and sign bona fide players right now to come in and start make a difference. So my bold, maybe crazy prediction is I think Jacksonville competes for a wild card next season. I mean, I, th- I think that's definitely that's entirely possible if if Lawrence can pr- can prove, you know, that he that he uh, he isn't going to be another Sam Darnold, 
Uh, I, I mean, let's let's you know, let's face it. You can't really compare the two because Darnold wasn't even one of the top options in his draft class to begin with. Uh, compared compared to some of the other some of the other quarterbacks that you had in that in that draft class. All right, well let's 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 make a quick comparison. How 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 about this? How about we make a quick comparison? <clears throat> let's compare quarterbacks from Clemson that were NFL ready. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now. Now Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be better than him. So, do you think he's going to probably have a good shot at succeeding? I mean, when you put when you put it that way, I think I think definitely, especially considering that he's more. I mean, when you when you put in comparison to who they currently have, he's actually he's more mobile than. Than, than you would see from somebody like Gardner Minshew or Jake Luton, who's their uh, who, who was their current backup this season. Oh, uh, Tre- uh, Trevor! Probably soon, soon as they draft him, he's he's walking into camp uh, first string. He he's the starter. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know that kind of makes me wonder. That kind of makes me wonder if maybe perhaps I know New England's going to be looking for a quarterback. Uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, assuming that he's not a free agent, I, I don't think he's a free agent this year, but assuming that he's not a free agent and New England decides, nah, we're good at the quarterback spot, we'll just bring back Newton and not take anybody in the draft this year, uh, could we maybe perhaps see New England look to to potentially take uh, Gardner Minshew off of Jacksonville's hands because the one thing we did kind of see is that at least as far as quarterbacks go, he did better than Newton this year. Evan, Evan, Evan you didn't tell me Steve was drinking tonight. <laughs> I mean, any oh, quarterback, you know he, he's like Danny Ainge. Anybody that comes open, let's get him. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Let's go. I mean, that's not the quarterback answer for New England. Come on, Steve. Well, I mean, I would prefer them take a uh, to take a quarterback in the draft. I would prefer them to take like maybe a Mac Jones, who uh, Mel Kiper said would would go as high as number fifteen to New England in the first round. They've got a guy on the team right now that could beat the guy from Jacksonville. Stidham could beat the guy from Jacksonville. They don't need that guy. Yeah, but you, you you know like we like we uh like we have said numerous times in sports whispers this year uh in the many times that we have vented the past the the, the last few patriot games that we commented on about how uh Bill never would use Stidham we basically said, you know, Stidham must suck really bad if we're getting blown out and Bill is still staying with Newton. I don't. I don't. I, I really don't think it was that. I think Bill just didn't give a crap, and he wanted a, a better draft pick. I, you know, if he trades it, he trades it. But um, I, I just, I, I really, I just, I really think he knew he didn't have a playoff team, and um, kind of out of respect, I'm gonna let Cam play, you know, because it's Cam. 
And uh, I'm not going to put Jared out here and get him hurt uh, or let other teams see him yet. So maybe he was smarter than we thought he was. Possibly. I mean, like you always say, you know, in in Bill we trust. And considering how, how, how it's been this year, I, some people on Twitter are kind of second guessing that, but um, oh, of course, you know, yeah. yeah. And I mean, there was a lot of stuff I questioned, but if the answer is he really knew he didn't have a playoff team, and he, I mean, we there were reports out earlier in the season that <laughs> he thought this season was a joke, like you know he wasn't really into it, so um. If he thought this season was a joke and he knew he didn't have a playoff team, I mean, it would make a lot of the decisions make sense. True. You know, because not a whole lot of coaches can get by with that. You know, just, I mean, if he tanked, some games, he did it a hell of a lot better than the Eagles did because the Eagles made it very obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's funny you mentioned that, Jim, because I was about to go into this next one with the Eagles finally, finally firing Doug Peterson after that horrific stunt that they pulled in Week 17 to basically give a gigantic middle finger to the league, but the New York Giants in particular, by benching Jalen Hurts. And by the way, uh, from all indications are, whoever the next head coach is, they're telling head coaching candidates that they want Carson Wentz back as the starter next year. Well, when you're going to pay him what you're going to pay him, um, you would at least think he should have to play and earn that money. So, um, I know if you know, think about it. If you own the team and you're going to pay this guy all those millions of dollars, do you want to just see him sit over on the bench? No, obviously so, not. I mean, then again, yeah, and plus, plus, so. supposedly him and the owner of the team are a really big buddy, so. I mean, that was one of the whole issues with that team. But, you know, I, I, I don't like Peterson. You know, I think he's a he's a cocky know-it-all. Um, but I, I will defend him on this much of what happened. I honestly think going into that game, his GM probably told him, you know, we need to make sure we don't win this game so we get this pick right here. And Doug goes out and does his job and makes it happen. And now, who's the one that pays the price? It's Doug, and the GM keeps his job. I think they both should have been fired. And I think that's... I think that's a big sentiment around Philly, too. Um, if I was reading it right on Twitter with their fans, they they weren't really upset at Doug being fired, but they were like, well, what about Howie? He needs to go, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we can we can sort of we can sort of make this equivalent to the Buffalo Sabers, uh, Tom, with with how with how uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How turbulent their franchise has been in hockey over the past two decades. Well, hell, since the Dominic Hasek era, quite frankly, uh, you know that normally it's been the coach that has suffered more than it has been the general manager. So do you kind of uh, echo, you know, what, what Jim said that it, that technically if, if Peterson had gone like they did this week, then so should have, uh, so should have Roseman, the general manager. Well, we just we got rid of. They just went through and cleaned house and brought in uh, Adams as the new GM, and I think they're just giving Kruger an extra year to see how well he does with Hall and Stodd and the people that he brought in. He obviously went to Adams and said, "What I need are some better offensive players," and so that's what Adams went out and got him. Now. I think well, if they completely shit the bed this year, we can pretty much assume that Kruger doesn't make year three. Well, what about the equivalent uh, to to the Eagles situation? Well, with, I I agree with a lot of what Jim said as far as, you know, Doug Peterson. But the biggest mistake the Eagles made was getting rid of Reed a few years ago. Amen. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest mistake they made when they let Reed take his Philly steak loving ass over to KC. I mean, look at what he would have done if he had been in Philly. You think they wouldn't have tried to trade up for Mahomes in Philly, even with Wentz there? Hey, and, and, he, and Steve, how? Steve, how much how much are we seeing now? I mean, we've all seen in college football how they talk about the Saban tree, all of his assistants, how they become head coaches and successful. And you saw it in the NFL for years with Belichick. Look at his tree. Look at all his guys that have been successful. Now, if you paid attention to that game tonight on TV, yeah, all we're seeing now is Andy Reid's tree, all of his ex-assistants, and how successful they are. Yeah, with McDermott and uh, and Harbaugh. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 it it amazes me at how. And I know he's getting more respect than he used to, but it amazes me at still the lack of respect that Andy Reid gets for how good he is. But that's just it. I mean, he traded Alex Smith from Kansas City when Alex was there as their starter. He went ahead and jettisoned Alex, who was the guy they built the team for, for Mahomes. So you think yeah, that, he wouldn't have done that in Philly? He would have traded Wentz and brought Mahomes in there and did the same thing because yeah. a lot of the same scouts and stuff that are working for him in 
Kansas City were working for him in Philly. Yeah, and 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 yeah. it goes beyond it goes beyond Mahomes. Look at the look at the players he surrounded him with. You know, Brady never got that in New England. I mean, look at the people that that Reed surrounds Mahomes with. Look at the receivers and the running backs and the tight ends. I mean, it's right. ridiculous. It, it, honest to God, is a Sony PlayStation team. <laughs> and those were guys that he had grabbed before Mahomes trying to build a team for Alex Smith, and he realized Alex wasn't going to get him over the hump. So he went out and he got the quarterback he needed to get him over the hump. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, I, you know, yeah. But, I mean, that's but, right. I you mean, know, if you talk to, if you talk to Tim and an Eagles fans, you're going to hear, oh, but his clock management. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But Philly, that 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 really is the start, and and they did win a Super Bowl after that. But that was the start of. Philly's problems was when Andy left, and if you just, I mean, you know, they can say, well, we go to Super Bowl, but the argument to that is, what if Andy had stayed? How would you have been the last eight years, the last eight seasons? How would your team have been? Hell, they may have, they may have been to three or four Super Bowls. And the thing you have to remember is Peterson. Peterson is another one off that Andy Reid tree. He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and and, and the enemy split off of that. So, and honestly, I, I, still, I still think that they would have won that Super Bowl. I still think they would have won that Super Bowl even with Reid. I do, let's too. Face it, that I do Philly too. special That, that Philly special isn't, isn't specific to, to Doug Peterson, no matter yeah, what. I, yeah, I, I don't think it was as much what – what Doug did, I mean, the talent was there, and he didn't screw it up. And plus, we got we got to bring up another guy off that Andy tree. Frank Reich was there at the time. Yep. And now so, he's done. And he's and you know when Frank left, when Frank left, Doug. That's when Doug started having problems. And I'm I, I'm really how I think Frank Reich's really really good. I mean, look what he does with the Colts. And you know the Colts don't have that much. Come on. I mean, Rivers can hardly even raise his damn arm up to throw the ball. But look what he did with the Colts. But yeah, see, that's, and yet that's somehow something he had that a lot of numbers. people don't realize is back when Buffalo yep. was going to the Super Bowl year after year after year after year, a lot of people think that the K-Gun was run by Kelly, but it wasn't. It was run by Reich and McKellen. And actually, K-Gun was named after Keith McKellar because they called him Killer, and that's where the K came from. A lot of that had to do with Reich calling in audibles and stuff from the sideline. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 you ain't got to convince me. I think, I think Reich, I mean, if I had to hire somebody and he was available, I'm hiring him. I mean, I, I'm a big Frank Reich fan. I mean, he knows his stuff. I mean, you go to Indy and win with what he's got up there. I mean, good grace. And, I mean, look what he did with Wentz, you know. And when he left Wentz, what has Wentz done? Nothing. You know, it's not all Peterson. A lot of it was that they lost Frank Wright. 
Hey Jim, uh, by the by the way, Evan did really enjoy uh, that minimum wage uh, <laughs> song that I played right at the very beginning tonight. Evan, 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 it's just a big rumor. It's fake news. If Fox News says it, it's fake. I had nothing to do with that minimum wage song being played tonight. <laughs> He's speechless. He's speechless right now. <laughs> JB, you still on here? I am. How are you doing? Are you feeling okay? Are you doing better? I'm I'm doing better, yeah. I'm still uh elevating my leg and uh you know, taking my medication and I actually got a uh uh bottle of uh uh you know aspirin and I'm taking uh one a day. Okay. Well that's good. That's good. I know when you said a bottle and you paused, Steve was waiting on a bottle, a bottle, a bottle. Oh, is it gonna be vodka? What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Tequila. And then I and then Tequila. I and then I and then I said, uh, what? Uh, oh, my brain, my my brain just all of a sudden shut down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just all of a sudden shut down. It just quit. It's just like well, I like, like mine uh, shut my down lap- years ago, but like, that's debatable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like my like my laptop crashed. <laughs> yeah. Um, shoot. I told Tim today, uh, I was talking to Tim today, and I told him with, with such a tough season, with so many freaking crazy cancellations and delays of games and games moved here and there and all of this and that, you and him did a, y- y'all did a great job on the uh, games gridiron this season. Well, thanks. And it seems like after I had my uh uh DVT, after I had went to uh hospital, it seemed yeah. like uh there was more uh what can I say? It seemed like there was more pressure put on Tim. Uh there was more going on uh, the past month and a half than there was uh, the re- you know the first uh, part of the year when I helped him. Yeah, um, it, it, it got hectic. Plus, it was you know bowl bonanza time, so that's a that's a huge part of it. But uh, right, I, I stepped in and I helped him out uh, two or three weeks with. Uh, um, I mean, I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, I just went and marked wins and losses, but he said that at least helped him a little bit, you know, when you couldn't be there. So, um, yeah. I did that. I did that two or three weeks. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's been a great season. I mean, we're coming down now. We've got all we've got left are this weekend and then the championships and the Super Bowl. And we've got, I don't know. How many? What is it, Steve? Five, six, seven uh, people within think, points. Yeah, I th- I think t- uh, when Tim outlined it for me last night, he said to look for four specific names. 
uh, to prepare a potential winning banner for. So, yeah, um, Tina, Tina, Tina has been so consistent all season. Um, and it's, I mean, we've got two Tina Whites, and it's not the Tina White that's the mod; it's the other Tina White. Yeah, and oh, she was yeah. kicking ass. <laughs> and she and she stayed up there all season. She's been really, really consistent. Um, yeah. But she hasn't been able to just pull away. So um, mathematically, there's still three or four other people within range. Right. But I don't. I don't think nobody's going to catch her. But it's possible. You know. And I, I'm one of the ones within range, and I'm telling you, it's possible, but I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, you're you're about you're about four points behind right now. Uh, I'm looking right now. Tina has a three point lead over Brenda, a four point lead over you, and uh, over you and JJ, and a five point lead over Cindy. Yeah, and Cindy. Depending on who she picked this week, could probably be mathematically eliminated. If yeah, I think that's kind of what I think that's kind of what Tim said last night because he yeah, didn't include yeah. Cindy as as one of the names. Yeah, and, I, and I told Tim, I told Tim a week ago. I said, you know, um, let me let me give you this this thought. You may want to have players that are within striking distance give you their picks for the last couple of weeks in private because um, you can just go out and, and I'll give you the example. I'm an example. I, I, w- I went into this week four points down. Okay? Yep. I can look at Tina's four picks and I can just say, okay, I don't care. The only chance I got is I'm going to pick the other four. I'm going totally different. You know, I don't care what I want to pick. I'm just going different from her. And so I told him all of that, and he didn't do it. He let people make their picks this week. He's thinking about it for next week, but he he didn't do it this week. Um, and in my I don't know about other people, but in my case, I, I, I mean, I didn't do it. I, I just couldn't do it because, I mean, there would have been a couple that I would have been picking against her that I just totally thought were wrong, which were the two games today. We both yeah. hit the two games today. She hit them and I hit them. So I'm still four back. Now the two games tomorrow, we've got different picks. So either she's going to go up some more or I'm going to pick or her you up are. or – we could split, you know, and still be the same. Um, but and I told him that today. I told him I respected the game and I didn't even try. Because that is, I mean, I think that's a little underhanded, you know. I mean, that's not playing to win. That's well, I guess it is playing to win though. It's using every dirty trick you can use. But I just didn't want to do. I I, I couldn't see picking some games that I just didn't think were going to turn out that way, you know. I just I couldn't do that. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. I mean, I thought Buffalo would cover, you know, and 
I thought Green Bay would cover. I thought those were the two easiest picks of the weekend. Now, the two tomorrow, I think, are tricky. And I heard JB talking earlier tonight about he thinks Cleveland might could cover. And I do, too. But what I'm going to bet on, I play. I, I picked Kansas City to cover that 10 because I think it's Baker's first dance this far. I think they can get behind. And he's like Brett Favre used to be. He's a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. I think he could I think he could throw a lot of picks tomorrow. I think he could create a lot of turnovers for Cleveland tomorrow. And I think with Kansas City's offense, they could pour it on. Yeah. But you know, Cleveland Cleveland could play them close. Um and the other game, I mean <sighs> Yeah, New Orleans and I know. I, 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 I was stupid. I went with my heart. I don't. I don't think they'll probably cover in New Orleans. But I had I mean, to pick Brady. Out. I, 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 I had. I had. That that might cost me the whole season, but I I couldn't help it. I had to do it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim, that's a, that's the thing that we talked about earlier before before you ended up. Uh, uh, joining in secretly uh, was that you know could c- c- can Brady solve the mystery of the of the New Orleans defense that he has just not been able to solve all year long? I mean, they've got I think it'll be a good game. Times. I think it'll be a good game, but the spread is so low that Tampa could play good. And still not cover, you know. They could still lose yeah. by four or five, you know. So that's yeah, that's it's possible. Yeah, that that's what's hard about it. I will say this: I don't think Drew Brees has a prayer in hell at beating Rodgers up in up in that cold weather up there. No, but I do no. think if Tampa wins, Brady is used to playing in weather like that. And yeah. they would have a better chance than Drew Brees would. I think Green Bay's yeah, best think... chance. I think Green Bay's best chance going to the Super Bowl is if New Orleans wins tomorrow. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, we could potentially see vintage Brady. Uh, I mean, we've already seen we, we've already seen a much a much better Tom Brady this year at the age of forty three, no less. Uh, but you know, I really think that with the cold weather uh, in a in a potential AFC or NFC, I'm so used to him being in the in the AFC because of the Patriots. Uh, you know, in a yeah. potential NFC championship game next week, I think we could we could possibly see vintage Brady come back. Yeah, if if but the whole thing is if, if they can get there, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Now. Um, Bruce Arians may have something up his sleeve tomorrow. I mean, I don't. I think that's gonna be a. Uh, I think that's gonna be a really, really fun game to watch. I think the Cleveland Kansas City game is either gonna be like a forty-eight to forty-five, or Kansas City's gonna blow them the hell out. Yeah, forty-eight to ten or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
You know, because if, if Baker gets out there and gets behind and starts forcing balls and throwing picks, uh, it, it'll get ugly. It, it will get ugly. Yeah, now, uh, Jim, we have about we have about ten minutes left, uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on this story that we covered earlier tonight. Um, obviously, since it's since it's even hit the league, there's basically been a lot of conversation, and I know you laughed at one of my uh, at one of my pictures I made earlier of him dressed in blue about how the camera puts on a few pounds. Well. <laughs> This one put on a, a shit ton of pounds uh, on Harden, uh, where he magically all of a sudden he w- it looked like he ate Kendrick Perkins in uh, when he was in Houston this year, and now all of a sudden it's like it's like what did you say? What did you say? He took Slim sudden. I said, I said he didn't. I, I said he didn't go on Slim fast. He went on Slim sudden. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, you know, he, he, he just, he doesn't look like the James Harden at all that, well, I mean, he doesn't look like is, James Harden. I don't know. I, you know, the only, when I looked at those pictures, I was like, was he wearing like a bulletproof vest? Well, what is he, what, did he have something else under that shirt? Because no. how the hell did he lose that much weight in like a week? The only thing he had under that shirt was the only thing he had under that shirt was was uh, was his jersey. That's it, and his gut. But, um, what what do you think though, Jim? Of uh, of Harden getting traded to Brooklyn, and what, in my opinion at least, it really looks like it's a, it's the second version of the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett trade with everything that Brooklyn had to give up. I I will say this: they're starting five if they can play together. They have the best starting five in the NBA. Lakers, anybody they that's the best starting five if they can play together. Um, of course, you have to think about the bench. You have to think about coaching. You have to think about injuries. Um, yeah. And the main thing I think they have to think about and what would worry me if I were a Nets fan is Kyrie Irving because he'll blow that whole shit up if he just gets mad that he didn't get to shoot enough or he didn't get to throw the ball he will blow it all up in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's already he's already threatening to sit out the entire season, apparently. So, because he's pissed off that um, Steve Nash got I hired. Still, well. I mean, I I think, like I said, I think they got. I think that team's got the best starting five in the NBA. But there ain't no way in hell I think they're going to win the NBA. I don't think they'll win it. Yeah, I'd I'd be kind of stunned if they did because, like I said earlier, in order to win that championship, you need to play like a team. And considering all the egos that they have, just just in between, I'm not even going to include Kevin Durant in that conversation, but just between Harden and Kyrie, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to to keep those two on the same page, let alone keep. Uh, keep them on the same page with, with Durant. 
Well, don't don't they say to go back and look at history, and uh, if you keep doing something the same way, and you expect it to change, you know that it's insane. Go back to go back to OK City. They had Durant. They had Harden. They had Westbrook. It wasn't Kyrie, but it was Russell Westbrook. And they also had Ibaka. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. Yeah, it was... Uh, and they had a good coach. Still, yeah, exactly. They had uh, they had Donovan, I think. I, I right. think it was Donovan. No, no. It was before him. It was... Uh, uh, the guy came from Indiana. It was before it was before the Florida guy. Hang on, I will find I will find. He was right he now. was there he was there with them through the whole thing. Uh, Donovan didn't come in until after they split. Donovan came in when they re, when they decided to re remold and re redo it. I can see a picture of him in my face, and I can't think of his name. But he's good. He's a good coach. Scott Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. Scott Brooks. That's what it was. I had to. He's not. He's not. Scott I Brooks had was, all that uh, talent, and they couldn't win. I, I mean, they won their share of games, but they couldn't. You know, they couldn't be the champions. Um. Yeah. And now you're doing the same thing in in uh, in Jersey. And um, who? Who? I, I mean, I, I'm. I don't know that Kyrie's better than Westbrook, and they don't have any Baca. Um, and is Nash better than Brooks? I, I doubt it. So no. You know, I I don't. You know, it's good for the NBA. People will watch it, but I don't. I don't see them winning it. I mean, they may they may not even make the finals, man. It may be the still may be the Bucks, Celtics, or the Heat. Yeah, and plus and plus now, uh, Houston controls seven of the uh, each of the next seven years of first round picks from Brooklyn. Well, if Houston four, does this, the most important person in Houston right now is the GM because. He's got like, I mean, they went and just handed him the Black American Express. If he can't build a team with all of that, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, we're we're reaching the end uh, of our show tonight. Um, I want to give a uh, a thank you to uh, to Kyle. Who who originally was originally was with us earlier on? He ended up leaving pretty early. Uh, thank you to Lou uh, for being on here tonight. Thank you, Jim, JB, Evan, and Tom uh, for joining us. It's been a long time since we've uh, since we've had you on here, Tom. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not dead. And <laughs> yeah, surprise. COVID tried, but it didn't uh, take me. <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, we will see everybody uh, next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. And, uh, yeah, everybody have a good rest of your week.